All right, so this semester, um, what we're doing is uh, something that I get a lot of questions about, and I this this PowerPoint's rough today. Um, I get a lot of questions about this when I talk with college students. Um, it's it's probably the number one thing that comes up whenever I meet one on one with people, and so I was discussing this with some people, and I said, you know, why don't we just do a whole semester on building and maintaining godly relationships. And what I mean by this is, how do you, um, how do you live life so that your relationships with other people reflect a Christian way of living? Um, how many of you like to watch reality TV? Or how many of you have watched reality TV in the past? Okay, so you've seen, like, there's always the mean person and the competitive person and the, you know, there's always these archetypes of people that they have, right? Um, And they're always fighting and bickering and yelling at each other, chewing each other out, right? Isn't that, like, half the fun is watching meltdowns happen? Uh, Those are not healthy relationships. And... uh, so the world has its own way of doing relationships. Um, just a couple, let's get started here. And if you, uh, I don't know if this is even going to work. This is crazy. Let's just try it this way. So let's start off. I have just a bunch of questions for us to talk through. And this is mostly discussion here today. Um, the theme for the semester, as I said, is building and maintaining godly relationships. We're going to spend a lot of time in Romans 12. If you want to, um, in fact, I gave you a couple verses at the end, which if you wanted to try to keep up, um, it'd be great to memorize some scripture this semester. You can memorize some of Romans 12, uh, and that will really help you a lot. But we'll also be talking about uh, this book that I've read, and I've, I've actually gone through a couple times. It's called The Peacemaker, and it's by a guy named Ken Sandy, and it's all about resolving conflict step by step. So we'll have some of that uh, as well. So let's just talk about some of these questions here. Uh, let's see what... If I can get this to some of these questions, you tell me what you think. Why are relationships so hard? What makes them challenging? Yeah? Because two different people like interacting with each other. So you don't know what the other person has gone through or is going through, so you don't So people bring baggage into a relationship. Like when you're dating somebody and you say something, what you mean to say and what they hear it may not be the same thing. Right? And that's a lot of times because they're bringing baggage into a relationship. Amanda. I was going to say balancing each other's desires. Yeah. So you have competing, competing desires. Sometimes what you want and what the other person wants are two different things. And you have to figure out how that balance works. Um, I think nothing gives us, almost nothing gives us as much joy or as much grief as relationships do. I mean, you're not going to find more joy than, than, walk, than have, getting married. I mean, it's one of the most wonderful things in the world. My wife and I were married. It was one of the most happy days of my whole life. I couldn't stop smiling all day. I just had the best time ever. It was so much fun. And it was just great. It was, it was wonderful. It was a relationship that was, it was the beginning of a, of a life together. It was, it was great. I'm scoring big points right now, by the way. <laughs> and, and relationships give us that. But is it not, if you had to list like the most frustrating things in your life, if you were completely honest, are not relationships up there? Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's mom and dad. Maybe it's um, boss. 
Maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe it's that brother or sister. might even be the government <laughs> or your uh, administration here at school or your any kind of relationship. I'm not just talking about love relationships. I'm talking about friendships, relationships, and family. Yeah, everything. Um, friends comfort us. They betray us. They abandon us. They hurt us. They love on us. They bring us some of our greatest memories. And sometimes we ourselves find that we're the ones doing the betraying, the hurting, and that bothers us. So they're challenging because we have different desires, different priorities, different values. Um, question number two. These just, you can take notes. There's nothing, there's no like right or wrong answers right now. Peter, write in. We're not even really going to get much into the word tonight. Kind of getting a, um, laying a foundation for it. Do you see a connection in your life between how close you are to someone and the challenges that come along with that relationship? If so, what's the connection? You, yeah. Okay. And so I guess like the clip, you get to see the like the person in their real life. I mean, you're not going to act the same with the boyfriend at the beginning of the relationship as two years down the road. I mean, right. You just get more comfortable with somebody, and sometimes people get a little too comfortable. But I mean, I guess it just comes because you know the person better too. It's not a bad thing. Amanda. But... I was going to go off what she said. Uh, Approach them, watching yeah. they um, mm-hmm. start a problem or a, yeah. like a not happy conversation. Yeah. So I think, whereas if you're not comfortable with somebody, you're not really as likely to have that conversation with them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Drew. I was just going to say, um, once a relationship gets real close, and you start depending on that person, um, and then they may change, or you may move on to other friends. It's um, and then when you find out you can't depend on them anymore because they moved something else. Yeah. It can get kind of challenging. Oh yeah. Yes, Maddie. The other person in that relationship can become an idol in your life, even if uh-huh. it's just like a friend. Uh huh. Person can become an idol very quickly, where they are the most important thing. You think about them, you talk about them, yeah. you, you you fantasize not in a bad way, but you like you imagine like uh, I, a lot of girls do this. They'll imagine life with this guy, what is it going to be like? And the, you know, the, 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 this, it's a stereotype, but I've seen it with girls, and they're like in fifth grade, and they're writing their name with their boyfriend's last name. <laughs> it happens, right? Okay, it ha- guys never do, well, they don't usually change their name, but you know, guys don't think that way, really. That's a, more, of a, more of a feminine way of thinking, but it's nothing wrong with that. That's just, you, you have to be careful. People do that, and then things change, and then you get really sad because your life has changed, and that was the, everything to you, and now it's gone, and you've lost something, but you haven't really lost anything, but you feel like you have. It, you know, it causes all kinds of pain and difficulty. Um, I, I drew a little chart, and I thought I was going to be able to draw on the board, so I, um, I have here this chart. I don't think I'll be able to do this. Nope. But if you can imagine with me a straight line... Like this. So the closer you get to someone, I believe the potential for conflict goes up. I mean, like, how many of you have conflict with your bank teller? <laughs> or the bag at the grocery store? Like, have you ever been in the grocery store and somebody just loses it? I have. 
I've been in a store before, and the person in front of me just lost it on the on the bagger. Dude, somebody. And I was like, because I've had your bread ever. I I was like, this is a little bit unhinged. Um, but you know, people people do get angry when they're closer with someone because uh, the closer you are to someone, the closeness, the higher that goes, the greater the potential for conflict. Because your lives are closely knit together. If that bank teller uh, does something like smokes pot on their break, it really doesn't, doesn't really affect me that much. I mean, I don't like the fact they do that. I, I would rather they not. But honestly, I wouldn't know any different. I mean, they're doing this, right? They're bagging my groceries. That's great. But if my wife is sneaking out, she's not. But if my wife is sneaking out and smoking pot, that affects me. And that bothers me. It affects her more, yes. We're going to have conversations about that, and we're going to have some real serious conversations if something like that is happening. So you see, the closer you are to someone, their life choices affect your life much more. Like, like Drew was saying, you begin to rely on people, and when they, when they turn out to not be as solid, when you're leaning on them and they move, it's very unsettling. It's like walls. Uh, we, we talk about this with parenting. If you're a parent and you have kids, you ought to have walls that don't move, rules that are established. Now, what do people do with walls? They, they lean up against them. But they don't expect the wall to move when they lean against it. If a kid pushes against you as a parent, this is just future. If, someone, if you're in a, an authority relationship and someone's pushing against your authority, it's your job to hold that authority line so that they know, okay, that's the wall. And there's some stability in that. Same thing in relationships. People don't like it when, when it moves. When they expect something to stay still, like if I was leaning against this wall right here and all of a sudden it started moving on me, I would say we need to get out of this building because it's unstable. Okay? So closeness and potential for conflict are related. Uh, a couple more questions. Um, if you had to list your relationships, don't, you don't have to do this. From best, that's smoothest, least conflict, to most contentious, the roughest, the most conflict, how would your spectrum look? How would your line look? If you had a list, like if you had a, if you had a straight line, I think I even gave you a line. Um, I did? I did not? Okay. Would you have a lot weighted one direction or the other? Like if you had to list, excuse me, your important relationships, mom, dad, brother, sister, um, significant other, if there is one, um, whatever, whatever your relationships are, best friend, how would, it, how would it go? Would you have a ton of people you have tons of conflict with or are most of your relationships smooth? Just something to think through. Um, what are your most significant relationships that are in trouble? You know, why are they in trouble? Think about that. So this is kind of, as we talk about now, like evaluating our relationships. Now, let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, okay, how happy are you with your relationships right now? Think about that for a second. In your life right now, would you say, my relationship uh, is healthy, not healthy at all, pretty healthy, so, so, five out of ten, two out of ten. Okay, because the thing is, what's the common denominator in your relationships? You. Yeah, you. So if you, if you have lots of conflict everywhere, it might not be everybody else's fault. There might be something that you're doing either in your heart, what your expectations are, uh, your walk with God, or maybe your, I don't know, whatever it might be. But there might be something in you, in your heart, that is causing conflict with other people because you're the common denominator. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers yet. We're just talking through this stuff. So what makes a relationship? How do friendships, relationships happen? 
Do they just happen? What does it mean when people say relationships take work? Yeah. Yeah. Like, have you? Like, I had this friend who I know from a long time ago. We grew up together. We drove each other crazy. We we're in high school because we just fought all the time. But then now he's married and has a kid. I'm married. I have three kids, and we don't see each other. But maybe once a year. Maybe once every other year. And when we see each other, we get along great. I mean, it's awesome. We have so much fun. But you know the thing is, if we live next to each other. We drive each other crazy <laughs> because we're so we are so um, uh, different. But we have a fun time for like that couple, three, four hours, maybe a day. I think we spent the night at their house one time. It was fun. Um, enjoyed it. But if we had that day in day out, we'd have to really address some things that are that may drive him crazy about me and drive me crazy about him. Okay. So it takes work. It's not just something that happens. What I'm saying is, is there's a temptation for me, if I didn't know that, if I were a little more naive, I would be very unsatisfied with my relationships here. Be like, why are my friendships here not as smooth or not as fun? Like, I go out with this guy once a year. We just hit it off. We, like, connect like we haven't seen each other. And, you know, it doesn't matter. We're just, like, there. We're having so much fun. You ever been like that with somebody you haven't seen in a long time? You just connect with them and you're having a lot of fun. Uh, and then you might think, man, I, I'm, I, my people at home, they're just, like, not as good as this person. I wish I could be there. And you get unsatisfied. You get discontent. Um, relationships do take work. Uh, this is what Drew was mentioning also. Relationships can also happen because of what one person can provide um, the other. So do you have relationships like this? Where either you are providing something for someone or they're providing something for you. And... Are you the one who constantly gives? Are you one who constantly takes? I mean, this is, this is kind of tricky because um, this can get kind of personal. and can get kind of uncomfortable. If you realize that, you know, I'm in a relationship because of what gives me rather than because of how I can build this person up in Christ. Um, what kind of things might people try to get from a relationship like that? If you want to be Money, yeah, yeah. I mean, how is it these 85-year-old ugly men <laughs> marry these 26-year-old models? Because he's not poor, right? Um, I have some in my mouth, sorry. She's looking out for me. This is what true love is right here. Um, money, status, acceptance. So you want, to relate, you want to get into this group because this group is cool. So you start dressing like this group. You start acting like it's more of a high school thing, but college kids do it too, where you try to fit into a certain group, right? Um, maybe emotional support. You're an emotionally needy person, and you need somebody you can just emotionally dump on. Like go and just unload all of your, you know, the stuff that's inside your heart. Uh, and that person, you've got to have that person to lean up against and do that. Um, Again, these are thoughts to keep, get you thinking. Do you think relationships built on getting are more or less prone to difficulty? Why? I think the person 
that's constantly giving finally realizes it, and then when they try to address it, the person that constantly takes doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, that could um, if if a person who's constantly giving becomes unsettled. Like, if they're okay with giving and fulfilling that role, like, if you're a married couple and the wife is a, uh, is a talker and the husband's a listener, you're good. But the problem is, is what happens if you're a dating relationship and the guy likes to talk, 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 and the girl likes to talk, 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 and they're just talking over each other and they never listen to each other? Doesn't go very far, right? I, I think they're more prone. If your relationship is built on getting something from someone or like if the reason you're around someone is to receive something from them whether it's status I wrote some things down here um, oh I forgot to write down what I, I was thinking about like status uh, relationship also sometimes guys they, 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 they do it for some physical uh, connection which can be very bad very dangerous for a physical relationship especially if it's too, too much too early um, or outside of marriage uh, this is kind of a key idea because relationships involve two different people with two different desires and two different views of the world conflicts are going to happen Okay, it's, it's, it's kind of going to happen you can count on it so the question is how do you respond when your relationships don't turn out like you want them to turn out Okay, so this is really what I'm kind of getting down to what we're going to cover this semester because I'm trying to peel away a little bit this idea that we have that if you have conflict, something's wrong at the core of your relationship. Because I've talked to many guys who, who, start, who have this girlfriend for like six months, nine months, and they come to me and they're like, I, I got this issue. I was like, what's that? I said, well, we started fighting. Okay. Well, we never fought before. <laughs> well, it's because she was being really nice to you, man, you know. Uh, and now, you know, you're getting, as you guys were saying, more comfortable. And uh, conflict starts to come up. If you're going to have two people, you're going to have conflict. So there's this diagram. And I, did I give you the full? Yeah. I, okay, I gave you the full picture here. So you can kind of fill this in. You don't have to fill in everything. I want you to get some three main ideas. There are three responses to conflict. And we're going to get into this in real big detail as the semester goes on. The first one is to escape. Okay, on this side is escape. In the middle is, is to make peace or peacemaking. And on the right is to attack. Okay? And this is, um, this is how, this is from a book by Ken Sandy that I mentioned earlier called The Peacemaker. And this is golden. If you can kind of get this idea that some people naturally go one way or the other. So where do you find yourself? Like how do you tend to, to uh, deal with conflict? So some people are escape. And escape looks like this. They like to overlook it, or they deny it. Um, the flight that they run away. So if they're in a relationship and they're and they're in a fight with their boyfriend or girlfriend, they say, "I can't handle this anymore," and they stand up and walk out of the room. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I've done it before. I'm done. Can't handle this. I'm done. And you just kind of throw your hands up and walk out. Okay, that's flight. What's the ultimate escape? Suicide. Okay, I'm not saying if you're a flight that you're going to kill yourself. Trust me, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this is a, a, the ultimate extreme to this end of the escape of conflict is to, just, is to end it all. Okay? Um, on this side, 
um, attack instead of overlook, denial, flight, or actually, is it just the last three? It's just the last three. Overlook is part of this um, a peacemaking process. Um, instead of denial, there is this assault. So it's the opposite. Instead of saying, this isn't a problem, you attack the person. Okay, assault. Um, litigation, I'm going to sue you for this. Okay? And murder would be the extreme on this end, attack. Killing is at the extremes. Most people don't go to the extremes, but a lot of people don't mind uh, living here. And assault, this isn't physical. It can be verbal, too. Attacking someone. So, which one do you fall under more? Which one, think, about, think to yourself for a second. When, when something happens, there's conflict, do I attack the person? Like, because the thing is, is once you know somebody really well, uh, you know exactly what you can say to hurt them. What we're going to do is, after we talk about, uh, more towards the second part of the semester, we're going to deal with the slippery slope and the peacemaking process of dealing with mediation, negotiation, reconciliation, overlooking arbitration and accountability, all these different things as methods for bringing about real peace. Because the thing about this escape and flight, I'm sorry, escape and fighting, or as I say, fight and flight, is that this is called peacemaking. Notice what the author has placed this, called this. Peace what? Faking. Faking. See, if you deny there's a problem, if you're like, oh, we don't have a problem, we're good. No big deal. If you just deny, if you're constantly living in denial, or you're fighting, you're not really making peace. You're pretending like peace is there. You're not actually dealing with the problem. Okay, a couple more. I'm going to take some questions. How do you respond when the, oh, I'm sorry, I said that. Um, does conflict in a relationship mean your relationship is doomed? No. no. Right, I, I hope you've gotten that message. That just because you have conflict, especially in a dating relationship, it does not mean that your relationship is doomed. Okay. It's a growing experience. It's time for you to put on your big boy pants and learn how to deal with conflict. Yes? I'm just going to add, there are a lot of relationships that can't, dating's unique because you're thinking about the rest of your life, but right. I think there are a lot of relationships that you can't walk away from or you can't, uh, like familial relationships, that right. you, conflict can be discouraging because you think that there's something there, but to know that there's possible way to work through this stuff is encouraging. Yeah, so like you say you have a brother or a sister, or say your mom and your brother are arch enemies. Like, you come home and it's you know, screaming and yelling and throwing things. Holes in the wall. You know. And, and you, you are thinking, there's no way that this is ever going to get better. Ever. Because there's so much conflict. Just because there's conflict does not mean the relationship is doomed. Okay, you can make peace in any relationship if the two parties are willing to deal with the problem. Okay, so, so have hope. I, I always, like, I, I uh, wrote in my thing here that uh, at the end of the Disney movies, the prince and the princess ride off in the carriage and it says happily ever after, right? Me, I, I think that's the biggest lie. I'm like, I really want to see what happens on the way to the hotel in their carriage when they're fighting over which restaurant to eat at. And she's like, I don't like Mexican because it makes me feel bloated. I mean, look at me. I look really great in this dress right now. If I start eating Mexican food now, I mean, I'm just going to blow up and I want every fitness thing again. He's like, well, you're hardly fit in it now. <laughs> oh, really? Is that what you think? 
And he, you know, I, I would love to see Prince Charming and Cinderella duke it out. I mean, that is, that, yeah, exactly. I should have never, you look better when you were sleeping. You should have, you should have tasted your breath when you were sleeping for 15 years. You're sleeping. Man, can you imagine kind of halitosis you had? And I endured through that in order to bring you back to life. And this is the thanks you give me. I mean. <laughs> you thought way too much about this. <laughs> this is off the top of my head. But I'm telling you, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is the interesting, like, like, we have this, and whether or not you accept it, well, I mean, we all know that Disney is cartoon and stupid. I, okay, it's kids' movies, but in some way, we kind of all, like, expect that or want that. Like, in a way, in our heart, we're like, well, once I'm married, it's happily ever after, and I get, we just, I mean, it's great. Well, remember what I said about closeness and potential for conflict? The closer you are to somebody, the greater the potential for conflict. Mm-hmm. I mean, the closer you knit your life with someone, yes. the more potential for that conflict. So if you're married to somebody, imagine the potential for conflict. It, it grows. So people have conflict in their marriage, and they say, my marriage is doomed because I have conflict. What do we just say? Is your relationship doomed if you have conflict? No. You should expect it. you got two sinners living together. What do you expect? Right? You're going you're to have problems. Um, so as we wrap this up, just one last thing and then we'll, we'll go from there. I want you to think about it this way as we, as we kind of go towards starting this semester. And that is, I want us to be able to kind of peel back the layers, be honest with God and with ourselves, and recognize our own selfishness. See, I think of selfishness as something that young children have a problem with. Like, my kids are selfish. Um, my son... Uh, is uh, just the other day I was scooping ice cream for them and I scooped ice cream for Dottie and I, I got her we had chocolate and vanilla like a, one tub with chocolate and vanilla you know in one tub that's pretty cool and so I scooped right down the middle and got Dottie a scoop of both chocolate and vanilla with a nice stripe right down the middle it was a pretty good scoop I have to say right <laughs> and I gave her that scoop and Nelson said I want chocolate and vanilla too and so I scooped it for him I scooped one side of the chocolate and one side of the vanilla. And he, he, about, he about lost it. He said, no. No, I want it like hers. I want it right down the middle. I want, I want that kind. And he just, he just was, that he didn't get to enjoy something that she was enjoying. Like, he didn't have any kind of appreciation. Wow, Dottie, that's great that you get to enjoy an ice cream that looks really neat like that. He didn't have any, he wasn't appreciating the fact that she got to enjoy it. He wanted it for himself. So self-centered. Self-focused, and we're just like that. We just learn how to mask it and pretend like we're not selfish. When many of us are so selfish, we've never grown out of that selfishness. So, um, uh, this uh, when they fight over toys or demand their dessert before finishing their meal, all of us struggle with this me-centeredness. Uh, it covers, it colors everything we do. Selfishness is the enemy of good relationships. If you are a selfish person, you're going to have conflicts. Yeah. If you, so, here's the deal. If you looked at your like line and you said, "Oh, a lot of my conflicts are clustered towards the problem," and I don't have a lot of smooth relationships, first area of of, of introspection and confession, maybe and repentance, has to start with, "Am I completely self-centered? Am I me-centered? Is life all about me?" Because if it is, uh, this, yeah. Okay. I suffer from only childhood. So it's like my relationships with everyone are like, you know, I'm very outgoing, so I'm going to have relationships yeah. with everyone, talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm in a, like, a relationship with my boyfriend, he feels like I'm selfish because I don't 
like give a lot of attention to him or I'm just like I don't know. He just calls me selfish, but I don't feel like I'm selfish. Well, I, I and I don't um I don't I don't know if I can diagnose you from right here. <laughs> but I would say uh, that that's a that's a very interesting kind of uh, thing. I would say we're all selfish in some way. I mean, if you're honest. It's just a different, like, my boyfriend and all the child, and it's like a, their, your mindset's a lot different. Like, I've, I've grown up with sisters, so I've grown up with, like, having to share. Like, now it's oldest, so I, like, had to do stuff. But for him, he was, like, his, he's his mom's world, so he lived in, not that he did it himself, but that's how she raised him. Only yeah, he's an only child. Yeah, I think she like crazy the ground he walks on. Not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying that that's the world. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, and that, and I don't, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of experience. Like I wasn't an only child. I was one of five, and so um, I was used to fighting over food at the dinner table. You had to. I still do. I'm like ah. In fact, it wasn't until we were married, I realized that I ate like a. Like a maniac, like I just I would like consume food as fast as I could because in my family and you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you have to, uh, you have to eat, or else it'll be gone, and and you gotta get on it. So there's none of this like, let me cut my thing one scoop at a time. No, it's like how many fries can I fit in my mouth <laughs> at once? You know, can I roll the steak over? And put like a gigantic piece in there, and I'm like, because I, I, I was having like, it's probably too much information. I was having like, like stomach like problems, and a part of the problem was is I wasn't chewing my food. I was literally like inhaling. I would like take like two bites and like swallow whole pieces of steak or whatever. And I know it's terrible, but that's just. You sound like we eat steak all the time. Or a hamburger or whatever. If you had five, four siblings, you were not eating steak. No, we weren't, but. But I'm saying that, like, it, it dawned on me one day. I was like, you know, I need to seem to slow down and enjoy my food because, because so, so your family relationships do color how you look at life. Whether you're an oldest child, that colors how you look at life. You're more protective of other people, and you tend to be like the mothering type. If you're, you know, where if you're a youngest, you're spoiled rotten. Yeah. Or if you're an only child, you might have different struggles where it's like. But so I, we're not, this is not a this is not a class in like birth order. <laughs> I really don't know anything about that. I'm sure it does. But so what we're talking about is okay. Let's just acknowledge all that up front. Say, look, all of us have our own issues. There is no fairy tale romance. There is no fairy tale um, relationship that's going to be perfect. All of us are going to have conflicts in any relationship. Okay. So. Yeah. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? The way, the way we're going to start is first we're going to focus on our relationship with God. Then we're going to focus on our relationship with others. And a lot of it's going to have to do with being willing to say no to yourself. Being willing to think of others. I mean, it's like basic stuff. But if you want to read Romans 12, I gave you a memory verse. Romans 12, 1 and 2 starts off talking about spiritual worship to God. Submitting yourself to God as, you know, it says, a living sacrifice, uh, don't be, not being conformed to the world, and then this whole chapter is all about your relationships with other people. So it starts there. It starts, if you're walking with God, First John tells us, if you're walking with God, you're fellowshipping with, with others, you can't have conflict with other people and still have fellowship with God. Christine, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, um, is, I don't know if you 
always approaching things with humility and grace. Um, just an example, recently somebody, they're having some spiritual, they're growing through something. They haven't been a Christian for a long time. And they would just jump to the conclusion about something. Mm. And my flesh wanted to respond in a different way, but that doesn't help them right. to grow and to learn. So responding with grace and love and saying, oh, I'm so sorry, that's not me at all. This is what I would And then they felt really embarrassed because they jumped the gun. Wow, yeah. You know, but people need to grow, too. They need to watch us, how we respond, so they can grow. Yep. You know, we help people. When people learn better, I learn best by example. Uh-huh. Sometimes Absolutely. And, and I, this is going to be, I think, an encouraging semester in a lot of ways. If you come, uh, you know, try to keep up as best you can. There will be a lot of re, uh, a review, but uh, we'd love to have you guys, you know, really clued in because I think this will be lessons that you'll carry with you for a long time. Even And most of you aren't married. Uh, most of you, some of you are dating, some of you aren't. But everybody has that one or two people that sometimes there's friction. And you need to know how to deal with that the right way. Uh, Let's close the word of prayer.